1: Happy 100 days until the NFL season. Welcome to Stacking the Box. It is myself, Ian McMillan. No Sterling Holmes today, so I'm joined by Mike Luciano. Mike, thank you for joining me. You can find his work at the Jet Press. Uh, we got a lot to cover today because there was actually some NFL news over uh, the past week or so, mainly DeAndre Hopkins getting released by the Cardinals. But before we dive into it, Mike, let's get through this uh, quick ad read. DraftKings. Hello, Kansas and New Jersey. We have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users in those states. Deposit in place, uh, wager of $5 or more on any sport, and get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets, win or lose. All you have to do is use our code STB, stands for Stack in the Box, at Sign Up to Redeem. Using our code STB is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with the code STB be and place that first bet it has to be at least a five dollar bet new customers only 21 plus and physically present in kansas or new jersey please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800 gambler in new jersey or 1-800-522-4700 in kansas city or in kansas i should say valid one offer per customer minimum five dollar deposit five dollar wager required rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded See full terms at DraftKings.com. Once again, promo code STB. Mike, how are you doing? Thank you for joining me today.
0: I'm doing fantastic. As a Jets fan, the vibes are getting better because there's Aaron Rodgers stuff out there. And it's fun to watch the rest of the league kind of tumble into chaos because there's been a lot of cuts and a lot of injuries. And just fun to kind of kick your feet up and go, hey, we got Aaron Rodgers. Things are going good. So... Can't complain about too much. Yes,
1: big news surrounding Aaron Rodgers. He is a Swifty. He's at the Taylor Swift concert at his new home stadium, MetLife. Any thoughts on Aaron Rodgers being a Swifty? That is the story of the day.
0: Uh, It doesn't surprise me a ton, although I will give Aaron Rodgers this. He is a master at pandering and a master at trying to get himself ingratiated with the locals. I mean, he was talking about Jersey Shore in the press conferences. I mean, he's at all the Knicks games. That is... That is a way to pander. That is a way to get people on your side. And I don't think it's controversial for a guy to be like, hey, I like the most popular uh, musician out there right now. But you know what? Let Aaron Rodgers live his best life. He's been freezing his butt off in Wisconsin for too long.
1: I even took a look at uh, Taylor Swift tickets at MetLife. They were like $1,200 for like seats where you can't even view the stage. It was insane. Not going to spend that. That's for sure. Uh, I did go to Blink-182 this past week, though. Um, which I talked about on the show last week. Uh, Top five night of my life was very fun, but let's talk about NFL. Let's talk about actual news. DeAndre Hopkins released by the Arizona Cardinals. It's got to be the top story here. Uh, Now, Mike, before we, we're going to speculate about what team he might go to and what might be a good fit for DeAndre Hopkins, but I do want to get your opinion on this because when he was released and that news broke, I sent out a tweet that I didn't think was going to get the backlash that that it got, but it got a ton of backlash. I tweeted, Just simply, are we sure DeAndre Hopkins is still actually good? I'm not sure that he is. And I've tweeted a lot of hot takes in my time. I didn't think this was the hottest take I've tweeted, but based on the responses, it might just be. Uh, I I had people in my responses, in my DMs, very, very angry at me, saying I don't know anything about football. But he just maybe it's because I'm a Falcons fan, so I feel like I've lived through this, Mike, with Julio Jones, where he's an aging receiver. I think he's I think DeAndre Hopkins was the same age as Julio Jones was, I think, maybe one year younger when Julio Jones was traded to the Titans. A guy who's dealt with some injury issues, hasn't played a full season in, in two straight seasons. And we have seen at least some decline in his level of play, at least a little bit. His catch rate is down a little bit. He's he hasn't produced like he like he did with the Texans. So, Mike, let me ask you this. Is
0: DeAndre Hopkins still the receiver everyone thinks he is? Well, that is not a hot take. That is a smoldering hot depths of Hades, fields of (laughs) Tartarus take is what that was because all of the Arizona Cardinals quarterbacks that were not Kyler Murray were uh, Colt McCoy, one touchdown, three picks, Trace McSorley, no touchdowns, five picks, and David Blow, two touchdowns, two picks. Over those keeping score at home, three touchdowns and ten picks in six starts. So that is, that's what you want out of your quarterbacks right there. I mean, three touchdowns, Deandre Hopkins per game. His numbers were still excellent over seven catches, just under 80 yards a game. And that's with guys who should be, you know, working in sports marketing playing quarterback. I mean, that's insane production. He's still a great possession receiver. He never was the biggest like speed threat. I think that was part of why Julio declined was, Yeah, he got banged up, but part of Julio's game was being this deep threat that would just go and get balls, and then once he kind of lost that, he had to sort of learn on the fly how to reinvent himself as a receiver and be more like just a possession guy. Not that he wasn't a great possession guy already, he just had to sort of lean more into that. I think DeAndre's game is going to age a little more gracefully than that. I think he's still a very good route runner. Like, Yeah, he's been banged up a little bit, but his injuries I don't think are the end of the world, especially when... He doesn't have necessarily the gaudy, I would say, touchdown numbers that he had with the Texans, but, I mean, you and me both know that he was not the main reason that things were kind of going sideways in Arizona. I mean, there was dysfunction and injuries, and Cliff Kingsbury would have this amazing start and then fall off every year. I mean, I don't know how much of that's on DeAndre Hopkins. So I feel like once he goes to a situation, if you look at the teams that he's looking at, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, if he goes there, I don't see any reason why he's not back to the old DeAndre Hopkins pretty soon.
1: So you might have been signed into your burner account being one of the people in, in my mentions when I tweeted that out. Um, uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> don't, don't, I mean, yes, his his per game numbers are still very strong, but also he was getting a ton of targets. I mean, the one, that, the one area that does kind of concern me, well, two, injuries, because he has dealt with injuries. I know he was suspended last year at the start of the season, but he still missed the last two games uh, due to injury. Now, how much, to be fair, I mean, last two games for a team that was, you know, almost in last place, maybe you just said, listen, I'm kind of banged up. I'm just going to sit out. Maybe if they're in the playoff on, maybe he wouldn't have sat out those games, but That's still what the
0: Cardinals are accusing him of too. They're saying that he was healthy and he just didn't want to play. So, right. Okay. So that Which is I possible,
1: get. but still injury issues for a couple straight seasons. Um, Cause he definitely was hurt the year before that his catch rate has fallen off. He, in his first year with the Cardinals, he caught 71.9% of targets, then the next year, sixty-five point six, and then last year, sixty-six point seven. So about a five to six percent drop in catch rate. Um, now, sure, could you could you blame you know the quarterbacks that he played with for the majority of those games, uh, especially last year, to blame for that? Sure, yes, but I do think some of the game by game numbers are kind of misleading just because of how like he still got ninety-six targets last year uh, in playing only in nine games. Like that's that's an insane amount of targets and balls that were thrown his way. Do you think he can still be prime or is he just, is he, can you, can you at least admit that he's on the, the back end of his career, at least a little bit?
0: Well, he's on the back end of his career, but I don't think that that necessarily means that he's done. I think part of it too, is you mentioned Julio earlier and we've seen receivers like AJ green too. And he got hurt. Right. like there's been a couple guys where it just goes once you get hurt a little bit. Now, it's tough because you can't really predict that because some guys just get hurt and some guys just you know they get banged up once and then that's it for them. So it's hard to really make a prediction on that. I find it hard to believe that a guy with a game that I think will age pretty well, like DeAndre Hopkins, is going to not perform well, especially if he goes to a pretty good quarterback situation. Because because he's only going to be he's going to be thirty one by the time next season starts. Actually, his birthday's on June sixth, so we might we have a birthday coming up for DeAndre Hopkins. You're telling me that you can't get maybe two or three more seasons of a thousand yards out of DeAndre Hopkins? I think that's possible, and that'd be a good signing if you do it.
1: I don't think so. I I might be wrong. This hot take might end up getting like retweeted by cold takes exposed by the time you know next season happens and we're in week ten and he has you know 900 yards in the first ten games and eight touchdowns, but. I don't know. We'll see. You just—you just made me think of one of my favorite players of all time. Talking about receivers who just completely fell off a cliff. Remember Tory Holt? Oh, he Torrey was like on route to be one of the better receivers of all time, and then he instantly
0: became trash. Well, part of that too was like he had the greatest show on turf. Then when that left, he was still productive with Mark Bolger. but then. It was we were talking earlier. He hit the quarterbacks were a mess. Then he goes to Jacksonville and he gets banged up. Like it's the same. And it's the, around
1: the same age as Deandre Hopkins too. I, I guess maybe just because uh, I was a huge Tory Holt fan. And then I saw it happen with Julio Jones. And I'm not going to say that Deandre Hopkins is obviously is all of a sudden going to be, you know, a bad receiver or not productive, but it's just, I'm not like if I was a fan of a team that might get Deandre Hopkins, obviously he's not coming to Atlanta. Like I wouldn't be as hyped if my team signed him than I think some people are. Like I think if a team can sign him, like the Bills, or the Chiefs, um, or the Ravens, then they're going to be like, oh, we're going to win the Super Bowl now. We have DeAndre Hopkins. This is going to be sweet. I think he can probably he'll probably have a solid year, but I, I don't think he's he's the game changer he once was.
0: Well, I just think part of that is playing in Arizona and a lot of times where I mean he had the one year where they went to the playoffs, but we really didn't get to see him in a lot of opportunities where he could have been like a game changer for a postseason team. So I think a lot of that is, you know, you don't really know. And of course there's the, I think you've, you've sort of indirectly hinted at this where there's that thing of, well, how much of his production is just, he's the one offensive player who works on a crappy team. So they throw the ball to him all the time and how much of it is he's still a really productive player. And I think going to a team with a better quarterback situation, I think we could finally answer that once and for all. Now, this is where I need to criticize DeAndre a little bit because all the reports came out saying that he wants a huge long-term deal right. after getting cut by the Cardinals. Honestly, I think the best thing for him right now is go to a team like the Bills, the Chiefs, maybe even the Jets if they decide to cut Corey Davis and free up some cap space and just do almost like a one-year prove-it deal. Just show that you're still you're still DeAndre Hopkins. You could still get it done. And then maybe try to get like a two or three year deal after that, because I don't think anybody right now off an injury is going to give DeAndre Hopkins a gigantic four-year contract. I just don't think that's feasible.
1: No, I don't think so either, but obviously if he does the one year deal, he is, you know, that is a risk because if he doesn't prove that he's that DeAndre Hopkins guy uh, anymore, then obviously he's going to be, it's going to be hard pressed for him to find uh, that contract the year after. Let's, let's, Let's I want to hear your prediction, what team he he's going to end up with, because he did. He was on the I Am Athlete podcast and he listed five quarterbacks who he'd want to play with. Now, obviously, now that he's been released, he can sign with anyone that he wants. Obviously, the team has to show interest and offer him a contract, but it's not like uh, he has to get traded anymore. So it, the choice is kind of up to him. The quarterbacks he listed were Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert. Obviously, no surprise there. Those are, I mean, the best five best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Do you think he goes to one of those teams? If so, yes. If not, is there a different team you think he, he might end up with?
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. and are high in fire to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I mean, Kansas City just makes too much sense. Right. In terms of they have the ability to sign him. He'd be the number one receiver championship contender immediately. Like I don't see anybody else from an attractiveness standpoint that compares to the chiefs for Deandre Hopkins. If he doesn't go there, I could see Buffalo, although he would have to kind of check his ego at the door. Cause he wouldn't right. be the number one guy. Stefan Diggs would be the number one guy. I don't know if he'd be willing to do that right now. The chargers could be interesting, although they just drafted Quinn and Johnston. So, and they have a ton of money tied up in receivers. So I don't think that they're going to go down that route. Philly could be very interesting, but again, he wouldn't be a number one guy. There'd be AJ Brown, Devonte Smith there, but unless he just wants like a free ring on that Death star team with Pro Bowlers everywhere, maybe that could work. I'm not sure. Uh, Baltimore obviously is paying Odell Beckham Jr., who I still think was a huge overpay for what he is right now because Odell, like DeAndre Hopkins, got hurt. Odell had two serious ACL injuries, right? So I think that if they didn't sign Odell and kind of bite their time, I think they would have been in a better position for Hopkins. Like, there's other teams that could work, but if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, I'm going to the Chiefs. I just don't see anyone who has that combination of, I can help you get a ring, you can still produce for us, like in a number one role, and we can pay you. That's the trifecta.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the Chiefs make too much sense. I wrote an article on Fansided last week. I think it was on Friday, the day that the news broke. Um, three teams whose Super Bowl odds would improve if they signed DeAndre Hopkins. I put the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Ravens. Um, yeah, you said it with the Chiefs. I mean, not only is this a Super Bowl, the Super Bowl favorites, uh, playing with the best quarterback in the NFL, but also this is the one area where he probably would be the number one receiver because I think the receivers right now are Marquez, Valdez, Gantling, Canarias, Tony, and Sky Moore uh so that is the one team i like it it makes a little bit too much sense for him to go to the chiefs now are the chiefs going to pay up for him i don't know we'll see and then i couldn't agree with you more about the bills uh i think that's an obvious landing with spot for him as well but he would have to kind of check his ego at the door a little bit because stefan diggs is the number one guy but they do need a number two option um and hey if uh, deandre hopkins wants to go to a place where he can put up stats maybe that's the place because uh, being the number two option, he's going to uh, get number two corners on him where the top guys are going to be over Stefan Diggs. So he could be a good place for him to go to get good matchups uh, as well. So I think the Bills can make a lot of sense. And the Ravens, because the Ravens seemed like they are now going all in on getting Lamar Jackson as many weapons as possible. So there's no more excuse for him. They got Odell Beckham Jr. They got uh, Zay Flowers. Uh, they got Rashad Bateman. Uh, and also maybe DeAndre Hopkins can provide some uh, veteran leadership for those two young guys uh, in that receiving core as well. So um, those are my three teams for for predictions. I think the Chiefs make too much sense, but also the Chiefs are starting to become and it does annoy me as a non-Chiefs fan Um, the Chiefs are starting to become like the Knicks of the NBA uh, in the NFL, where they just think every free agent wants to sign with the Chiefs, which probably is true because they are the best team
0: in the Super Bowl favorites. But I am sick of the Knicks were always 26 and 56 and they go over getting everybody like just because we're the Knicks, like the Chiefs (laughs) are 14 and three every year. True. A little different, a little bit of a different situation. Everybody does want to sign with the Chiefs. (laughs) <laughs> Nonetheless,
1: I am just annoyed at every time there's a free agent or a team that says that they want to trade or a player that says they want to trade. They're always like, oh, they want to come play for the Chiefs, which probably is a little bit true, unfortunately. Uh, I,
0: mean, I guess I think Mahomes' jealous. deal is expensive, but he gave them enough flexibility to where they can, they can do these things. So. Yes.
1: Which... Is what Tom Brady did when uh, throughout his time with the Patriots. uh, A lot of people, Tom Brady was never like a top tier paid guy. Uh, He always took team friendly deals. and I'm sure
0: having the bajillionaire supermodel wife probably factored into into that a little bit too. That is very
1: true. Um, All right. Unless you have any final thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins, I think we pretty much covered it there. We can move on. Uh, Because there are a couple uh, other news stories. This one was interesting. Jimmy G, some uh, information has come out about him. Jimmy Garoppolo, who signed with the Raiders uh, in the offseason, failed his physical. And now that they have uh, an actual copy of the contract, there's a clause in it that people weren't aware of before, where he has to pass a physical um, because of his foot, his foot that he hurt last year. And he ended up, I believe, getting surgery right after he signed uh, the contract. If he doesn't pass a physical by the start of the NFL season, the Raiders can release him um, and not lose any money. Just completely null uh, null and void his entire contract. Um, they moved. He had a, a, originally was going to sign a signing bonus, but that signing bonus has now just been absorbed into um, the base salary for twenty twenty three. So he got he had, got no signing bonus. And if he can't pass a physical by the start of the NFL season, they can just release him. Just and not pay up at all. Uh, which is very interesting. Any thoughts on
0: this about Jimmy Garoppolo? Are we gonna see him in a Raiders uniform this year? I think they both need each other, so at some point they'll come together on something, but this speaks to I don't want to say it's like vindication for me, because I don't want to like say that about somebody who got hurt, because you obviously don't want to root for that or like you know, be happy that something like that happened. That's no way to be a sports fan or a sports analyst or anything like that, but i've been a guy who's been very vocal about the being anti-quarterback wins guy and there have been a bunch of different Mm. avatars i've railed against and jimmy garoppolo i think was at the the apex of this because if you look at his numbers 40 and 17 is a starting quarterback and the passer rating was good but then you watch the games and there's kyle shanahan and everybody's a pro bowler on offense and it's the perfect scheme and Garoppolo could basically on on autopilot win some of these games. I mean, that's what Brock Purdy did. I think Brock Purdy is probably better than Jimmy Garoppolo for large ports, large portions of last year. So when there was this big free agent frenzy surrounding Garoppolo, even with the Jets too, particularly over on the Jet Press, when it didn't look like Aaron Rodgers was really feasible, and it was kind of Garoppolo or Derek Carr seemed to be the two options. I'm like, you you can't sign this guy. Like you you can't do it. Not not just because the production's obviously going to fall off without Kyle Shanahan and going to like a Nathaniel Hackett or in this case uh, Josh McDaniels over in Las Vegas, but I mean the guy's always hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be 32 years old in November. You're, you know how many times he has started more than 10 games in a season? Once, well, twice, twice, twice. Once uh, it was the year they went to the Super Bowl. You went you uh, went 13 and three, and then uh, 2021. He started 15 games and then got hurt again. Beyond that, with San Francisco, six years, he started five games. Oh, that was the midseason trade. Three games, sixteen, six, fifteen, ten. 15, 10. This guy just gets hurt all the time. This is what he is. That's the problem with the Raiders is they acted stunned. Like, how could this possibly, like, every year this happens, and it's the foot consistently, which, I mean, for a quarterback, a foot injury is... Outside of Brock Purdy getting Tommy John, that's as bad as it could be for a quarterback. I mean, yes. using your foot every single time. I mean, maybe your back is worse because your back's your whole body, but foot's definitely got to be in the top top three or top five worst quarterback injuries, and he's had a recurring issue with this. I'm scared yeah. for the Raiders, not only because I think even with Garoppolo, there's no way that they compete for a championship this year and no way they probably win the division, but also because you have Devontae Adams, because you have Josh Jacobs, and because the defense is a little bit better, I don't see a way where they could really be bad enough to get like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. They picked number seven this year. I think they might be like number six or number seven again next year.
1: Yeah, which actually kind of brings up a point where I, I'm I'm baffled that they didn't draft a quarterback this year knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo was yeah. having this issue. Well, Abe might...
0: O'Connell in the fourth round, but I mean, that's not... Yeah, that's... Yeah.
1: <laughs> um... Yeah. Like Will Levis was there uh, at least they didn't, they could have traded up for a guy because if yeah, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't go right, right now, their backup quarterback on the depth chart is like Brian Hoyer. So <laughs> it, it's, it's going to be a tough How year for the Raiders regardless. Work.
0: I don't get it. How is Brian Hoyer still employed? That's <laughs> a great question.
1: I will say though, Mike, I, you did make a point that, and I I've I think I've gotten to this argument with Sterling as well. Um the, The narrative that like any quarterback could succeed on the 49ers, I don't necessarily buy that. I don't think there is a system that exists where just every quarterback who plays for it can put up good numbers and lead them to a super bowl. Quarterback, I don't care what system it's in, even back in the day when you ran the ball 80% of the time, you still needed a good quarterback. Like it it's very rare for a bad quarterback to win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl. There are some instances of it, like Trent Dilfer with the Ravens, but still, or Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) Now, is he a great quarterback? No. What was, was his production probably better than with the 49ers and would have been with other teams. Yes. But I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad. I would, I call Jimmy Garoppolo a good quarterback. I don't, I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Now, does he have injury issues? Absolutely. So, this is actually a smart move by the Raiders putting this clause in his contract because they might not have to pay him a dime if he can't pass a physical. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo was way, maybe not way better, better than people give him credit for. If any quarterback could have succeeded in the 49ers system, why isn't Nick Mullins still with the 49ers? He's now the backup in like Minnesota or something. Why, he had one good game with the 49ers,
0: and then he was trash yeah. after that. Nick Mullins was an undrafted guy. And then also, he was on. I mean, when Kyle Shannon took over the 49ers, that might have been the worst team in the league, like just in terms of what they had around him. And then he finally got his ability to add, like, he got Trent Williams, he got Brandon Ayuk, he got the running backs he needed, and then he could finally implement his yeah. offense. And even in that sort of half baked version, I mean, Nick Mullins performed a lot better than everybody thought he would. And now he's. Well, he had one good game. Well, yeah, he was okay for that year and then he parlayed him into a, a backup contract with the Vikings. And here's the best way to describe the Shanahan offense, I think. It's like it's it's just such a floor raiser. Like, if you in a Shanahan offense, is anybody gonna be like, you know, more interceptions than touchdowns or, you know, completing fifty eight percent of his passes? I just think he's so creative and because he gets guys open so easily, what quarterbacks are asked to do in that offense, I think is a lot it's very minimal compared to some of the other things. That was the problem with Garoppolo is that he was operating basically like the Fisher price, like kiddie version of an offense because it didn't ask him to do a lot yet. He got results that put him up there with a lot of like the big time guys. That's where the, that's where the divide comes in. I mean, if that's the case, if
1: a coach can make that big of a difference then Mike Shanahan, um, sorry, Kyle Shanahan is the greatest co- offensive
0: coach of all time. Then, if Well, there are the some, case. well, go look at how many, teams around the league are trying to hire guys from his coaching tree and trying to get Shanahan guys, on either him or Mike Shanahan, his dad, like disciples of the father who created the offense. I mean, the rest of the league's trying to get their own Kyle Shanahan, and I don't think that that would happen without like some sort of knowledge around the league that he can make quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo perform better than they probably are and earn big three-year contracts with the Raiders that could end up going bust because of a bad foot.
1: And I don't want to, I don't want to trash Cal in here because he did lead my team to the only Super Bowl uh, that we've been to, and since I've watched, obviously they went like '98 or whatever. But
0: I mean, you should know. I mean, you remember the difference between his offense and Sark? Yes, but I also Sark stinks, though. I mean, but it was it was clear as day. So yes, <laughs> yes
1: that is true. I, I I'm still going to stick to my take that I think Jimmy Garoppolo is I a little bit better than people think. So I do hope he actually plays for the Raiders because we will see truly how good Jimmy Garoppolo is if he does play with the Raiders this season. He might suck. And if he does, then people like you will be, end up being correct. But we'll see. Uh, other piece of news. Uh, NFL rule change. I don't know if this happened for, for the show last week. We didn't touch on it. Uh, but their new kickoff fair catch rule where on kickoffs you can call a fair catch and you will get it on the 25-yard line. Now, when I first saw this come out, I thought that this was also for, for punts, but that's not true, right? This is just for
0: kickoffs. No, that would be ridiculous. Right. Okay. No one would ever so return a punt ever if that right. happened.
1: When I first saw this, I was like, this is literally a game-changing thing that I hate. But I, I, once I read into it further, it's for kickoffs, not punts. That makes a little bit more sense. Do you have any thoughts on the kickoff rule? Because what was happening was uh teams once it got moved to the 25 yard line what teams were doing especially i think the patriots were doing this quite a bit Were like trying to get their kicks to like land at like the two or three force the team to take it out instead of just kicking it in the end zone and getting a touchback and a lot of the time they're able to tackle the guy before he get to the 25 yard line so now that takes that kind of strategy completely out of it um kick it anywhere the player can just call a fair catch and they'll get it on the 25
0: yard line i mean this is what they do in college right now and right. i mean in college there's still a fair amount of kicks that are returned so coaches admit they're probably going to be willing to gamble like you know what if we start at the you know we could start at the 25 or we could run out and start at the 19 like grand scheme of things that six yard difference is probably not going to mean a ton like i don't think this will totally kill the kickoff in college it didn't kill the kickoff necessarily but Everybody was acting stunned at this rule when not only is Roger Goodell, I, for all of Roger Goodell's many, 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 many faults, he is, I think, at this point finally trying to like make the game a little safer. I think the head injury stuff finally is starting to get to him. And, I mean, j- the kickoff. I mean, you remember, like, the NFL we knew growing up. I mean, there was the wedge block. That's gone. A lot of the high-speed collisions are gone because they just reduced the distance. And now this—I mean, it seemed like a natural move. Like it seemed like if this didn't happen this year, it was going to happen in the next two or three years. Like it was just a matter of time. And I'm going to reserve judgment until I see it in action because I remember being all in on the you could uh, coaches challenge pass interference rule, and then turn to the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen because everything was getting called or nothing was getting called. It was this big, this big s show for to keep things g-rated here it, it was it was a big mess so if that if i see it in action where there's like no kickoffs and everybody's taking the fair catch we're gonna be like all right this is, this is kind of lame but i i don't know if it'll come to that
1: yeah i i think what they should do is go to the xfl way that the XFL was doing it this past uh, XFL season. Now they're not going to, because then they have to admit the XFL did something right. But I really like that one where it's more of a, wasn't as big of a runoff when teams were colliding with each other. And there were even a couple of of returns for touchdowns.
0: Yeah, that was great.
1: Yes. Uh, I think that's the best way to do it, but I agree there is there, whether it's the rule that they just implemented or the XFL, they do have to change it. Cause I, I played college football in Canada. Um, and I was third string running back, so I was the, basically a special teams guy. And I hated playing kickoff and kick return because – and Canada still does it this way. Canada doesn't have any fair catch rules. So it's a full-on kickoff every time, especially with how long the field is. It's returned every time. Um, it's literally just a, a 50-yard sprint. If you're on kickoff, you're just sprinting 50 yards. And if you have to hit the wedge, you just have to hit – a group of three guys as fast as possible on a 50 yard sprint. And if you're on kick return, then you have to do the opposite and try to just stand in the way. And I got more injuries in playing kickoff and kick return than, than playing running back. So uh, I am in favor of these rule changes because being that guy on either end sucks. You're just a full on sprint for 40 yards and then running into another person as hard and fast as possible. It's not fun. I did
0: like returning because it just gave you yes. this. Like, especially to the way like I ran, it was very like herky jerky jittery. It was fun to just kind of dance around a little bit. But I mean, yeah, like when you're on coverage, like you, you think it's fun because you're like, Oh, you get to run, and then that first time you get annihilated by like a yes. why is the lineman out here? Wham. Right. You're like, Can somebody eliminate this? So but again, yes. special teams coaches seem pissed about this.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, this obviously takes away from their job a little bit. But at the yeah. end of the day, especially return coaches, they can still return it. They can return it every time if they want to. They don't have to take the fair
0: catch. That's why I like Kaishan Nixon on the Packers, who said, I've never fair caught anything. If you look at the numbers on all his returns, he has never fair caught anything. There you go. So, I mean, I mean, he's let things go into the end zone for touchbacks, but he's never fair caught anything. I'm like, you know what? I like this dude. All right. I like it. Um, and then we are going to do some into the future
1: stuff, but really quick because there is 100 days until the NFL season. Uh, what's your prediction for your jets record? What's the jets record? We're hundred days out. I want a 100 days out prediction.
0: 11 and six, 11 and six, 11 and six. I think there'll be one game behind Buffalo. I think I still think Buffalo is the division leader. I think the jets kind of got screwed a little bit with that schedule I mean, if you've seen the jet schedule early on, it's bills, Patriots, Eagles, chargers, yep. Cowboys all in the first seven weeks. I'm like, yep. this is awful. Tough it's also going to make gonna that next, that last week, month of the year, it's supposedly the games they should all win. Like, sorry for Falcons fan, but it's oh. Atlanta, it's Washington, Houston, it's Miami at home. I mean, if they don't, every loss in one of those games, is just going to feel like you're going to get shot in the chest in terms of how painful it's going to be. So Eleven and six, I think, is the final thing. It's probably gonna be an excruciating eleven and six, but you know, if they get to the playoffs for the first time since I was, God, in middle school, it'll be worth it. So, Um,
1: I'm gonna say eleven and six for my Falcons as well. Bold call, but second easiest schedule in the NFL. I'm gonna say eleven and six. Not scared of Derek Carr at all. No. Mm. Hmm um all right let's do some into the future stuff and then we'll wrap this uh, thing up here uh just a few predictions for the year with it being 100 days until the regular season um i saw i think it was an article on nfl.com that i thought was pretty interesting so i'm curious to get your thoughts which second year quarterback will take the biggest step forward in 2023 uh the top one on the list was kenny pickett obviously you have desmond ritter um be a brock purdy for the 49ers assuming he's healthy uh, this is a terrible who else, quarterback class. Who, yeah, who else is a second-year quarterback? Malik
0: Willis. <laughs> Malik,
1: yeah, well, he's going to be dead last on the list for sure. Anything's
0: an improvement from Malik Willis. So I mean, if yes. you just want to like say, all right, he threw more touchdowns than interceptions. All right, that's an improvement. Yes, fact. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Desmond Ritter. With love it. Desmond Ritter. Let's he was go. my number one quarterback coming out in the draft. Uh, I thought I liked him better than Kenny Pickett. I liked him better than Malik Willis. I just don't think Kenny Pickett has the arm talent necessarily. I think he's accurate. I think he kind of sees the game. Well, I like his decision-making. I just don't know about consistently in December and January, AFC North him ripping the ball deep. Desmond Ritter. I love as an athlete. I think that he landed a perfect scheme fit for him because Arthur Smith is going to run the hell out of the ball and he's going to use Desmond Ritter's legs. He's also not going to like, I know Ritter has accuracy issues, but he's not just going to make him like a West coast guy where it's all like dinking and dunking stuff. Like, even though he had Marcus Mariota, he let it rip like middle of the field pretty often. Like if you yep. look at like the deep passing rates, Mariota was near the top and couldn't hit any of them. But he was throwing couldn't it. hit any of them. But I still believe this is my toxic trade. I still believe Marcus Mariota is a good quarterback in the league. I thought he oh, got I thought he got on. screwed <laughs> over in Tennessee with bad Come with on, bad dude. coaches. I thought Tennessee gave him the worst offensive coordinators and no receivers, and he still won a playoff game, and he was still okay. I, like if who, Marcus, who, Let
1: me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who would rather as
0: right. your starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo or Marcus Mariota? Jimmy Garoppolo, okay. but like if Marcus Mariota was on the 49ers instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, I don't know how big the production would... I mean, especially because you could use him as a runner, too. I mean, I don't think the, the production... He was so off inaccurate
1: last season, man. It was tough watching Marcus. That's why everyone talks about how the Falcons were throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts. They were throwing the ball. Marcus <laughs> Mariota just couldn't hit him.
0: I still I'm still holding out he's in Philly now it's a good spot for him I'm still believing in you Marcus but uh I think just the the schematics of what Arthur Smith likes to do using the middle of the field using Kyle Pitts using Drake London I think that all is good for what Ritter wants to do and I think if he just if he even taps into half of his potential this year I think in a weak division I think rares going to get tons of opportunity to shine.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that you're, you're that you're saying that because I guarantee you Sterling would not have said Desmond Ritter. He is a Desmond Ritter hater. Uh, Desmond Ritter, who's a, who hates Desmond Ritter like Sterling now? does apparently. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> next time I'm out and you're on the show with him, you can bring that up and and defend my guy Ritter.
0: Absolutely, uh, I will. At the ends of the earth, I'll defend this guy. <laughs> thank
1: you, thank you, Mike. Uh, Desmond Ritter last year, four starts. Do you know how many interceptions he threw? Who got zero? Improved every start. His uh, quarterback rating went from 59.3, 85.2, 90.1 in the last game of the season, a 108.2. So he improved every start through zero interceptions. And like you mentioned, he's not going to be asked to do too much. The the Falcons are not going to win on Desmond Ritter's arm. They're going to obviously try to run the ball with Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson. And he has weapons. He has Kyle Pitts. He has Drake London. He has some weapons on offense as well. Has a pretty solid offensive line. Still, we still need to figure out our left guard position, but overall a pretty solid offensive line. Um, is, it, is it Lindstrom's side or Lindstrom's right guard? My right bad. guard. Yes. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. Yeah. That's kind of the one hole is left guard, maybe center-ish. They got some guys that they're going to try. Um, Blank on the guy's name, but a guy who was hurt all last year didn't have, I think didn't have a good rookie year was hurt last year. Hopefully he comes back. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. Not
0: Jalen Mayfield. Uh, Drew Dahlman. Oh, oh, Hennessey, Matt Hennessy. Yes, Matt Hennessy. Matt Hennessy. Shout out uh, Temple.
1: To- so, hopefully uh the Falcons can get some uh help there at the left guard position, but regardless still a solid offensive line Desmond Err is set up to succeed. Um obviously Brock Purdy is the, is the other choice, um depending on how healthy he's going to be in that 49ers offense if he can repeat the success he had at the end of the year last year for the 49ers. Um, we will see, but I think I think it's between Ritter and, and Brock Purdy. Um, all right, let's. Uh, what about comeback player of the year? Interesting one. Now, obviously, I'm a betting guy. When you look at the betting odds um the favorite is uh well, i can't believe i'm blanking on his name the bills guy demar mm-hmm. hamlin De- which, demar hamlin obviously well, DeMar
0: Hamlin's going to win but i mean yes,
1: deservedly it, so right if he steps yes. on the field he'll win the award that, so that's let's let's win. let's take demar hamlin over of the mix uh let's just talk about a player maybe yeah maybe hurt maybe just didn't produce last year
0: outside of demar hamlin who would you pick to win come back of the year it's got to be trey lance for me and i think that even though there's the brock purdy thing i know he's banged up that the 49ers are not just going to let a number 3 pick they gave up a bajillion first rounders for just waste away or, or trade them to the you know the titans or somewhere. they're not going to do that. they i know that lance there's been all these conflicting reports because trey lance not only has he been hurt but he's got this supposedly weird throwing motion that everybody says is a problem but some people say is not a problem anymore and we don't know how much he's picking up stuff. It, it, there's so it no nobody has an idea what Trey Lance is going to be because he's just thrown so little like this is my favorite stat from last year which is that uh because he went to North Dakota State which was like a run the ball stop the run kind of team Tom Brady threw more passes last year than Trey Lance has in high school college and the pros combined which is an insane stat and it just goes to show how raw this guy is but If he clicks, which is a big if, because there's injuries and everything like that. If he clicks, you're going to get a guy with probably a top five in terms of just how far can I throw the ball arm? It's got to be close to top five in the league. You also get a guy who, although he didn't run his 40-yard dash very fast, he's clearly an above-average athlete for the position. You get that, plus you get Shanahan scheming guys open short, getting guys like McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk, a bunch of yak situations. Trey Lance is no sure thing to succeed, but As we mentioned earlier, there's really no better place to go if you're a quarterback than San Francisco. So if anybody can turn Trey Lance into comeback player of the year, it's Kyle Shanahan.
1: Yeah, if he plays, I I just feel like the 49ers are going to go with Purdy, though, if he's healthy.
0: Well, that's that. Purdy's got Tommy John. I mean, that is not like for a quarterback throwing the ball. That's serious. So I just don't Uh, know if Purdy's going to be a week one guy. And I think if Lance is healthy, too, you give him it over Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. If, um, if Shanahan makes Sam Darnold good, he should be in the Hall of Fame while an active coach. <laughs> yes, I if agree. that if that works if, out, if, I mean, yeah.
1: If Sam Darnold has to end up playing and he and he has the best year of his career and leads the 49ers to playoffs, then yes, uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame immediately. Um, I I have two players' names, but they're kind of the same: uh, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup. Uh, Matt Stafford, even right from the jump last year, didn't look right. What
0: was he was dealing with? An elbow injury. I think he's had injury, And then he also just on the field, that offensive line was terrible. So he was getting murdered every play. Uh,
1: Yeah. So I think if Matt Stafford's healthy and I think reports have come out that he is, and he's got that elbow issue fixed. I mean, he's two years away from, from winning a super bowl. Like I think him and Cooper cup can come back and have another strong year. Cooper cup obviously got hurt uh, halfway through the season last year as well. Um especially Cooper cup. This is a guy who had how many catches the year? Didn't, did he win the triple crown the year before he uh, catches
0: yards and touchdowns? No, he did. Yeah, he did 145 catches that year, which is insane to think about. That's eight and a half a game. Yeah. So
1: come on, if Cooper cups healthy and he has a healthy Matt Stafford throwing him the ball, I'll take Cooper cup. Um, So that's my comeback player of the year. Pick. Dark Horse MVP candidate, someone a little bit further down the odds list, not the obvious ones, not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen, not Jalen Hurts. Um, I'll go first for this one. We've talked about the 49ers quite a bit, but I'll go Christian McCaffrey. Now, running backs don't win MVPs anymore. Who was the last one? Adrian
0: Peterson in, what, like 07? I don't even think he won that year. I think, uh, I think he just won Offensive Player of the Year that year. God, I are gotta you, check that. Are you bringing it up for me? I got it. I, it it's going to be eating at me. Oh, you're right. It was Adrian Pierce in 2012. 2012. So and later than that, uh, Damien I, I... Tomlinson in 2006.
1: Yeah. So running backs don't win it often. I think if 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 there is going to be another running back that is going to win uh, MVP, it's going to be a guy who not only can run the ball but can also catch the ball. And last year when he got traded to the 49ers in. 11 games with them, and really, it, he started 10 times. So really 10 full games with them. Uh, 52 receptions. Uh, this is a guy who might just even get to 100 receptions as a running back. On top of that, um, can run the crap out of the ball as well. 1,100 yards on the ground last year, 741 through the air. Now he's with the 49ers offense for a full season. He didn't have to play for the crappy Panthers for six games like he did last year. So if McCaffrey can produce at the volume that he did for the 49ers, but now do it for a, full, for a full season, I'll say Christian McCaffrey as a dark horse pick to win MVP. Now, like I said, that might not be the most – like like if you were to pick one running back, you'd probably say Christian McCaffrey, but with the way that the game has gone and how running backs never win MVP, he's still like 50-1 to one to win it, even though he's probably the most obvious choice out of all the running backs. So I'm going with McCaffrey. Who do you got for a dark horse MVP?
0: I feel like the NFL should almost do like what hockey does and just have like every position gets a trophy for best at the position kind of thing. Like, yes, wasn't the best for the goalies and stuff. We just have like a best running back, best receiver. Because the MVP is pretty much best quarterback. So, yes, I think I think I do like McCaffrey out of the running backs. Maybe Derek Henry, if he's healthy, could could challenge him just because he's going to get the ball 500 times. Uh My dark horse picker. It's kind of a tie between two quarterbacks who impressed last year, and I think if they continue on their sort of uh, tracks can maybe get some buzz. And that's Trevor Lawrence and Jared Goff. Okay. Who, Trevor Lawrence made the playoffs again, benefit of a weak division, but because of that weak division, which may have three rookies starting uh, week one between Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young between CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis at some point, I think he'll eventually overtake Tannehill. I think that Jacksonville is very clearly the favorite in that division I think that the addition of Calvin Ridley is going to be huge. It's going to be the best receiver he's ever had. I think the defense got slightly better. And you're in year two of Doug Peterson, and we remember what happened the last time Doug Peterson was in a second year as a coach. And went pretty well with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. So I'm not. I don't think they're that good yet. I think they're probably a year away. But if Lawrence is the guy that we thought he was, which, I mean, last year at the end of it, he was playing like the guy we thought he was. It was the best
1: quarterback in the NFL the second half of the season. I mean, at just, least he was just running one and he top that
0: If he yep. does something like that again, I mean, he might get some buzz. I don't see why not. And then Goff, same sort of thing. Like, struggling early on. We're like, what's the plan here? And then last eight games of the year, I mean, he was like the top. He was like the third best quarterback in the league in terms of passer rating and everything like that. Detroit, for the first time in a while, I see is getting favored to win the NFC North. And oh. I don't want to get ahead of it there because I still think the defense needs a, a lot of work. I like the secondary additions that they made, but I think they need time to sort of gel. If the Lions can maybe win, like, I don't know, like 11, 12 games, which is a lot, but I mean, Green Bay is going to be a lot worse. Chicago's still going to be bad. And there's no way Minnesota's going to win 13 games again. So I don't, not totally impossible. If the Lions reach those heights, and Goff and Ben Johnson just keep cooking, which I think they will, you'd have to consider him.
1: Yeah, you can sell me on Trevor Lawrence. My issue with Jared Goff is I'm just not as sold on if he's going to be just as good this season because he's just, he's kind of had a roller coaster of a career. Like his rookie season wasn't great. Then he did really good in year two and year three. But then he was kind of crap for three years. And then he had a really good year last year. So which version of Jared Goff shows up in 2023? The one that we saw last year or the one in, um, LA 20. Yeah. The, the one who, who was at the last two years in LA um, QB rating at 86.5 and a QBR 50.6 like that, that's not going to get it done. Or even his first year in Detroit, he wasn't that great either. So um, yeah, if he plays like he did last year, sure, but I'm just, I'm not as confident in him. So if I were to pick one of those two guys that you just picked, I think I'd definitely go with Lawrence uh, after the improvement we saw halfway through the year last year all right let's finish it up with team you're buying low on for 2023 i'm going with the team i already mentioned a little bit when i was talking about matt stafford and cooper cup but the rams their defense is bad um gotta be honest about that but they still have aaron donald and if they can get back a a healthy matt stafford and cooper cup they're going to score points on offense so are they going to be a super bowl contender probably not Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if they compete in the NFC West. I'm surprised to see how much uh, people are just writing them off. I think their projected win total is like six and a half or something. Um, So in terms of buy, I mean, this is a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. Let's not completely write them off. I think last year was a disaster for them early in the year. They got bad bounces in a few games late and then they got a, a million injuries and it was just a disaster of a season from start to finish. I think if they can get guys back healthy, they can at least get back to being competitive. So
0: team I'm buying low on is the Rams. I'm going to stay in the division. I'm going to go with the Seahawks because I know the Seahawks made the playoffs, but I don't think people are talking enough about like, can the Seahawks be, everybody knows that Philly's the number one team in the NFC, San Francisco's number two, and then it's just this miasma, everything else could Seattle be that number three team. I mean, think so. I know, obviously, the Geno Smith question like, can Geno Smith do it again? Based on some of the throws I saw last year, that looked sustainable. That didn't look like system quarterback stuff. That looked like precision. That looked like a guy who was improved in command. So, if you take that version of Geno Smith, you then look at this offense, which was ninth in the league in scoring, by the way. All they really lost was Rashad Penny. And then they add Jackson Smith and Jake Button, and Zach Charbonnet who I'm a big Zach Charbonnet fan. I'm surprised he went to Seattle because they have Kenneth Walker, but that's a really good one-two punch right there. I think the offense will be pretty good, if not better, because Smith and Jig was a really good receiver. You then go to their defense. I know everybody, uh, remember on the NFL Draft Show, everybody was like, really, Devin Witherspoon at five? And I was like, I like Devin Witherspoon at five because that was their big issue last year was they didn't have a secondary. And now you got Devin Witherspoon, Tariq Woolen, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, I mean, that's a pretty loaded back unit, which was the big issue last year. So with Witherspoon and Wollan, you got cornerback locked down. Your two outside cornerbacks locked down for the next, like, half decade at least. Bobby Wagner's back. I know he's not what he was, but Bobby Wagner just has this gravitas about him, this leadership, and he can still play a pretty good linebacker. I think the pass rush has improved. They're counting on big things from Boye Mafe, obviously. But if guys like that end up really playing well, I don't see why Seattle couldn't make some noise.
1: Yeah, just my issue is that it, it, Geno Smith is kind of the opposite of Trevor Lawrence, where he had a really good first half of the year, but he was not good in the
0: second half of the season. Um, so which version well, of Geno Smith? a little harsh. I mean, he, I think he was just in, unbelievably good, and then the second half he was just good. I think that's the I think a little too harsh for Geno. Let me see if I can back
1: this yeah. up with, yeah. with some numbers here. The, um, the only game he much. didn't
0: throw a touchdown in, he, th- he threw a touchdown in 15 of 17 games. I mean... Yeah, he threw some ugly
1: interceptions in the second half of the
0: season. Um he, he, did, pretty- he did, but you know, I think that was just that you know, those are things that you know, these things happen, in my opinion. All
1: right. I mean, hey, i d I'm not completely owed on Geno Smith, but I I would say of your argument saying the Seahawks could be slotted in that number three team, um, would be what version of Geno Smith is gonna show up. Because certainly he was better in the first half of the season than the second half. Maybe he didn't suck in the second half, but um and also it's not like we have a ton of uh, a huge body of work from a successful geno smith throughout his career so um yeah if he can play like he did in the first half of the season or even you know slightly worse than that still at a very uh, at a good production rate then yeah sure I, i'd buy in on the seahawks i just, I'm I, just I just i just don't know the if jets he will. Up,
0: but i could even remember during those early jets years like when he had rex ryan and marty morning was his coordinator and like, even though the stats were bad, like there were throws where you could see that like he had he had something. And I just knew, like, all right, somebody it's not gonna be the Jets, somebody's gonna get it out of him. Like do you know who his top three receivers were his rookie year? It was Jeremy Curley, David Nelson, and Kelvin Winslow Jr., who's in prison for twenty years now. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that is that's not the environment you want. And then he goes to twenty fourteen, Geno Smith's top receivers were Eric Decker, before you know, Eric Decker, woohoo! That's the best guy I ever played with. Jay Samero, Percy Harvin, Jeff Cumberland. I mean, anybody going to be good there? Anybody? Rex Ryan, your
1: coach. Now he
0: has a very good receiving core. <laughs> I just knew. I'm so happy for Gino too because I. That's maybe part of it too. Is I'm just so happy Seattle found him. I'm so happy he's doing this well because I knew he. I just saw something. I'm like, he's I don't a know very how easy he's going to cheer be. For
1: He's definitely, a, he's definitely an easy guy to cheer for. Oh, easily, yeah. I ain't right back. Great quote. Yeah, love it. All right, so there you go. That's our show. A um, little bit of a quicker show than usual, but uh, thank you all so much for watching. Like the video. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, which I believe there's an audio version of this, uh, rate and review it on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. There is an audio version of this course there is,
0: um, Mike. Let the people know where they can find your work. You can find my work at the Jet Press and the Jet Press Podcast with Justin Freed. We are actually going to go live tomorrow at three p.m. Eastern. There you go. And you can also find me just over at Fanside. You can find me on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. I'm all over the place. Beautiful.
1: And you can find my work at Fansided and on Twitter at Ian MacBets. I A I N M A C Bets. Uh, thank you all so much for watching. We will talk to y'all next week.